A little while ago, I was very, very lucky to find myself interviewing Steve Hogarth, uh, the lead singer of Marillion. It's taken, it's taken us a little while uh, for us to get this together, but tonight, as part of our rock, soft rock power ballad special, uh, I'm very excited to be sharing with you an exclusive interview with Steve H. Uh, we were talking about how he joined the band when Fish left, what it's like to front a rock band for 30 years, uh, playing live all over the world, and something pretty special that Marillion have planned in November. So, without further delay, this is Marillion back in the days when Fish was their frontman, shortly before Steve joined the band, and then we'll hear from Steve Hogarth, lead singer of Marillion. Phoenix 98 FM. This is Stuart Pink. I'm just speaking on the phone uh, to Steve Hogarth from Marillion. Hello, Steve. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for chatting to us. Uh, so, obviously, you're the lead singer of Marillion, a uh, bit of a rock and roll legend. You were, you were involved in music long before you were a part of Marillion, though. Uh, and at the time Fish left the band, Marillion were, I would say, a bit of a household name. Yeah, absolutely. As, as someone who's not inside the music industry, I'm, uh, I'm fascinated by the idea of hearing about um, when you go to audition for or hear about a job going for a big band like that. Uh, what was that like? How did that come about? Um, well, it came about because they were looking for a lyricist and a singer because um, they imagined that they might find a good singer and then, who wasn't a good lyricist and they might find a good singer who wasn't... Uh, they might find a good lyricist who wasn't much of a singer. So they... They thought they'd replace Fish with two people. Um, and because they were looking for a lyricist as well as a singer, they contacted music publishers. And it was my music publisher at the time, Rondor Music, 
who sent them um, a cassette tape of... I mean, the reason they sent it was because I went into the office. My band had just split up, and I said, can anyone think of anything for me to do? And, and what I meant by that was, you know, a bit of typing, or like hanging out, a bit of some office work, because I used to like their office. They yeah. had a nice office in Parsons Green. Ah. So um, I liked being around the place. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll work here, <laughs> so <laughs> give me a job. Yeah. But they misunderstood my question. They thought I wanted another mu- music gig. So, so somebody said, well, did you know Fish had left Marillion? And I went, oh, well, I don't, I don't think I'd really fancy that. <laughs> but they sent, they, sent, um, they sent a tape anyway. Um, that was at the back end of 1988. Yeah. And I didn't think much more about it uh, because I decided I'd had enough of the music business. Um, and I... I had this kind of life plan to get out of music, sell the house, move up north, watch my kids grow up and have a bit of peace. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then in January of 89, the phone rang, and it was Matt Johnson from The The, offering me a, a tour with him playing piano with, oh, wow. with The The. And he got Johnny Moore on guitar and uh, various other luminaries in his band. And yeah, yeah. I thought that might do me the world of good, you know. Um to do that because I won't be at the front in the middle there'll be no pressure yeah. I can just enjoy it and uh, so I'd kind of got my head into doing that I said yeah yeah I'd love to do that man and that wasn't until the summer um, I'd already played piano on one of his albums um, so that's why it approached me and then the phone rang again and it was Marillion's management saying oh they've heard this tape that the publishers have sent and they really like your voice and <laughs> they really like your your songwriting. Yeah. yeah. And they'd love to meet you. And I was kind of going, oh, God, I didn't really want to do it, to be honest. <laughs> well, so you got a plan? I, I was extremely reluctant. And obviously I knew about the band and I knew because they, you know, they were famous and they were selling a lot of records. Yeah. And then I, and I had a drinking mate in Windsor called Daryl Way. And he's... Um, he, he used to play violin for a band called Curved Air in the 70s. Oh, yeah. Um, and he'd worked with some of the boys in Marillion. And, and I was talking to him about it one night. And he said, well, I wouldn't dismiss that out of hand, he said, because they're really nice people. <laughs> Good advice. <laughs> Go and meet them. Um, so that sort of swung it. And against my better judgment, I went, I went and met the band. And uh, we met up at Pete's house. And we, there was no denying, you know, that from the off we we got a, a sort of chemistry creatively. Um, we wrote a song more or less on the spot that morning. Yeah, oh well. Uh, and they were all happy with it. It was called King of Sunset Town, and it's the, it's the opening song on season's end. Yeah. Um, so after that, they all went, well, you know, do you fancy joining the band? What what I didn't realize at the time was they, they'd been auditioning singers for months at this point. Um and not found anyone they, they felt was right. There was a lot of people, you know, Fisher-likes who, who, were, who were sort of trying to, you know, sort of copy imitate in yeah. him and his style, and that's not what they wanted. They wanted a complete change. Yeah. They wanted an experiment. That was the other thing. I, I said, well, well, what do you want? You know, what is it you're looking for? 
And I thought they'd say, well, you know, here's our last album, and it sold half a million copies, and, and do you think you can do this? And uh, and I would have gone, well, no. And that would have been the end of it. <laughs> um, but they didn't. You know, they said, well, we really like what you do, and we'd like you to do what you do, and we'll do what we do, and we'll see what happens. the chemistry was there if you wrote a song day one yeah yeah so I mean that album came together very quickly That I mean they don't always but um, that's partly because I think we're we're searching for something else I, I think I think at the beginning the band were traveling a kind of well-trodden path and and, and you know the, the wheels used to go down the same old cart track they'd already, always been down yeah, yeah. And so I started kicking against that, you know, almost immediately and saying, well, you know, this is all very well, but, you know, we, we should we should move on. Let's change it and, up. And we, sh- we should change and, and explore different um, influences and move it around and redefine what we can be. And over the years, I think we've done that. You know, we've, we've made music from, like, all over the spectrum of, of, uh, of influences. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So obviously, your yeah, your discography is very different depending on which album you listen to. You obviously change your genre. Do you do you pick a a style and say, right, guys, we're going to write an album a bit like this, or or does it just sort of come? No, what we do is, and uh, what we've always done is, we write by jamming. So we go in the studio and we jam together, uh, you know, for months, sometimes yeah. years, and we record it all. And then either we or some other poor sod has to listen back to it. <laughs> these, these days, it's our it's our producer Mike who has the bone grindingly uh, difficult job of listening to all this trash that we've made, <laughs> picking it apart, and 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 waiting 
for an interesting accident to happen. <laughs> and every now and again one does, you know. We, we get one most days. You know, it might only be 20 seconds long, but we get one. And what we do is we then, we then collectively listen to all these interesting accidents and decide which ones we're going to build the songs out of. And because we work in that way, first of all, you know, what excites you is what you're listening to, not what you're playing. I mean, a lot of people get excited because they're playing something that is exciting them in that moment but might not be that much fun to listen to. And, the, you know, the point of making music is people are going to listen to it. So we might as well listen to it and decide whether it's any good from that point of view. So we jam, we leave it alone for a bit, we listen to it all, we we go, oh, what happened just then? That was quite interesting, and it sounds like nothing we've ever done. And so by by choosing the ideas that are exciting and yet different, you can keep moving moving around the kind of records that you make, whilst at the same time, hopefully, at least in our heads, keeping them them you know of a certain kind of spark and, and interesting and peculiar those are the things we we tend to latch on to uh so 2019 is a big year for you and marillion uh 30 years as as front man it's true um easy to you know easy to not notice these these things and we we don't really bother with them much anyway for the, you know i'm sure various different members of the band have been in the band for this many years or that many years as, as time's gone by and we never notice yeah we just get on with it keep doing it <laughs> but, but i guess because i'm a lead singer the light gets shone a little more brightly on on that and, and because i'm the new the new boy of 30 years 14 <laughs> albums new boy still the new kid <laughs> uh, um, then then you know i'm asked to talk talk about how i feel about being in the band 30 years the honest answer is it's been a lot of fun, and I haven't really noticed the years passing too much. But it is remarkable to be in any band for 30 years. There's not there's not that many of, of them about, really, is there? I guess that, that are still yeah, 30 years on, still breathing, <laughs> and that, you know, or, or or still have essentially the same lineup, you know. Yeah, yeah. Which which we do, you know. The lineups never changed since I showed up 30 years ago. You kept them together like the glue. <laughs> yeah, well, we kept one another together. They're, they're, you know, they're 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 four really nice blokes, to be honest. And we've had our ups and downs, but but I do respect all four of them. Whenever we've fallen out, as you often do when you're in a creative process, because you're never always going to agree. We've always been sort of grown up enough to go away and get over it and come back and carry on. Yeah, you guys, I think you guys had a break. Uh, it seemed to be fashionable in the nineties to take a bit of a break if you're a band uh, and take some time out. You guys did that. What what sort of sparked that decision? Was that a sort of joint uh, decision as a band to take a bit of time away and do some solo stuff? Yeah, we. All, I mean, it was only about six months, I think. Maybe it was longer. Maybe six or eight months. We we, we sort of got away from one another. I wanted to make a solo album, um, and I went away and did that and did a little tour and put a band together called the H Band and I had a lot of fun doing that it was an eight piece band with tablas and, and um, um, a Pakistani uh, guitarist called Aziz Ibrahim yeah. who's worked a lot with he was in the Stone Roses and then he's worked a lot with Ian Brown and Dave Gregory from XTC and Richard Barbieri and, and I had a cellist 
so I, I I had this really peculiar band, uh, and we did this what's now become sort of quietly legendary tour. And people have yeah. been nagging at me to put it back together ever since, but I've just not had the time. <laughs> too busy, too busy. I guess uh, your your solo projects they all seem to be. Um, I think all of you did different things, but they all seem to be more acoustic sort of sounding. Um, and and then you did when you got back together the more recent uh, Less Is More album, which is like an acoustic rework, isn't it? Um, yeah, but that was a while back, man. That was that was probably eight years ago or something. It was a good, no, maybe more. Maybe it was ten years yeah. ago we yeah. made that. But that was yeah, an interesting experiment, really, just to to rearrange some of the songs uh, and, and 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 split them right right back. And and we we did a little tour with that album as well. We we did we did the Cadogan Theatre in uh, in London. That was nice. Yeah, yeah. I had a cold. I think, which wasn't <laughs> ideal. <but. laughs> That'll affect it. So, what was it? What was it like to rearrange your own songs? Was it difficult to kind of reimagine them, or did you always have like? A, did you sort of have a brainwave and think, oh, we could we change change the meaning of it at all? Or? Well, we've got we've got a producer called Mike uh, Michael Hunter, who we, we've got a long, long-standing relationship now. He, he goes all the way back to I think we met him when we were mixing the the Brave album. Yeah, um, which which was the third one I made uh, with the band out of the fourteen that we've kind of got through so far. So he's been with us a long time, and and he's a really creative guy. He came up with a lot of the ideas and suggestions for how we could strip the music back. Mark Kelly, I remember, radically rearranged quartz as well. So we all just chipped in ideas, but but yeah. Mike tends to provide a lot of our inspiration and, and, and direction he's like the sixth yeah. member of the band really <laughs> everyone needs a sixth member <laughs> <laughs> I've found one to be enough you know over the years <laughs> <laughs> too many chefs <laughs>
so, uh, so Steve, as the front man of a successful rock band, uh, what's, what's the best part of being a rock star for you? Um, oh, the best part is um, is the affection, really, that that you receive. You know, when you walk out live, just to be the focus of a thousand or two thousand or four thousand people's affection coming at you uh, is incredible. It's also quite surreal and unnatural. It's really not natural to receive that much affection. Um, but it's an incredible privilege. So that, that's probably the best thing. And, and tending to get slightly better treatment generally in life than, than <laughs> mere mortals. <laughs> Some other time, you know. People make more of a fuss of me in restaurants and pubs. <laughs> don't get turned away for a table booking <laughs> well I still get turned away occasionally but they're very polite about it <laughs> <laughs> they give you a discount next time at least <laughs> uh, so obviously you talked about playing live you guys do um, the Marillion weekends what uh, what do people expect when they go along to those oh they're amazing I mean that is a thing that is really sort of unique to us these days we 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 buy. We we basically hire centre parks in Holland for for four days. Yeah. Um, we sell it out, so all of the accommodation is is full of people who fly in from all over the world. You know, there's, oh, wow. there's a handful of Dutch because you know it's handy for them. But people come from everywhere. I do mean everywhere: Australia and Japan and Brazil and Mexico and America and all over Europe. And, yeah. Um, and they live together for four days we build a gig in the car park that um, I think the capacity of the place is only about two and a half thousand so we have to limit limit it to that so we build a two and a half thousand capacity gig and um, we play three shows Friday, Saturday, Sunday each show's two and a half hours long and each show is completely different oh wow so we have to rehearse up over seven hours of music yeah. To, to be ready for that, which so we d- we tend to start rehearsing in January for for the shows that are in March, and trying to cram all that into your head is is quite a feat uh, at our uh, advanced age, <laughs> or anyone's age. Seven yeah, hours. well, by the time you get you know, by the time you you've got the the, the third night rehearsed, you've forgotten the first night. You, you know, you've, <laughs> yeah. you've got to go back. So. It's quite something to 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 keep it all in the in the bonds. But having said that, the the rewards are colossal because the vibration is amazing. You know, pe- people just go there and they they party uh, for for three days, and they're, and and they're all fans and they're all of one mind. So they they make friends. Some of them get married. I even married somebody one year. I dressed <laughs> up as a priest and oh, wow. ma- married someone in the. In a cafe. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I think he works for us, actually. I think it was Mark Kennedy who I married. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah, it's a peculiar life. Did you get to uh, to hang out with your fans and stuff at the weekend? Yeah, we, we stay we stay on site. And, uh, you know, everybody has bicycles in, in Holland, don't they? And oh, they yeah, have, yeah. There's bikes. So we cycle from, our, you know, the the little houses we're living in to, to the... To the to the gig for sound checking and getting it all together people are wandering about and we stop and say hi and do selfies and <laughs> do autographs and stuff and chat so it's all very casual and it's 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 like 
one great big family, really, a global family. Yeah. So it's it's unique. I don't know of any other band that have really got it going on. That's no, just a great way to do it. Definitely. Brilliant. Uh, you guys have played uh, Royal Albert Hall in 2017, uh, but I understand you, uh, you're coming back again. Yes, we are. Uh, two nights this time. Hey. Um, sticking our neck out a bit. But it, <laughs> it's, selling quite, it's selling quite well so, so far. It's not till November. And then, you know, can't wait to do it. We, we, we did a, a very short tour last time, uh, which culminated in in the gig at the albert hall in november 2017 and we yeah. we added a string quartet french horn player and a, and a flautist to the band oh wow um and it was exquisite and and we felt a little bit frustrated at the end that, that relatively so few people had got to to see it so yeah we thought when we get chance we'll we'll go out again and we'll we'll do an, a more extensive tour with this lineup. Try some other songs, you know, and expand the whole thing a little bit. So that that's the idea behind the November tour. We're touring through the UK, doing quite a lot of UK shows. But then we're doing Paris and Rome and Utrecht and a couple of shows in Germany as well. All over. So you're doing that that tour with the with the orchestral kind of backing. Yeah, we've called it. Marillion with a few friends from the orchestra. Oh wow! So is there going to be a? You working on a, a live album to come with that, with all the uh, string arrangements as well? Yeah, we're looking at we're looking at releasing the cumulative product of all that at some point. Wow, that, that must be uh, an interesting experience to sort of have your songs. Did uh, the the, uh, the the violinists and, and the strings guys kind of add? their own elements to it a little bit as well yeah they do I mean obviously they're classical players so they're reading dots and lines they're not really busking uh, and again yeah. my car producer who also happens to have a degree in music has is, is written all the arrangements but they really add a, um, a vibration to the whole thing the, the, the quartet are all girls from the Belgian opera and they're quite a bunch of characters themselves so they've really got a vibe going between each other and they add a lot of they add a lot of energy and no small amount of glamour to yeah. uh, to the <laughs> band because you know they're quite they're quite glamorous and uh, more more than us anyway. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so it gives the audience something to look at as well. Absolutely. So you've got your sixth member in the producer now. You've got a seventh member in the uh, the orchestra. <laughs> yes. 
Going to need a bigger bus. <laughs> yeah, well, I just did a tour with Trevor Horn um, that I just finished in Nottingham last week. I was a guest singer, um, the producer Trevor Horn, and he had 22 people on stage. So oh. I'm, I'm, I'm getting used to having a small crowd around me. <laughs> Brilliant. So obviously you're on tour in November. Uh, people can see you all over the UK. We'll share the, uh, we'll share the dates uh, for that on our website. Um, y- yes, indeed. Yeah, it should be really special, and I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to doing it. Oh, we, we look forward to enjoying it with the, uh, with the orchestral arrangement as well. Uh, you, we're just talking, you're working on a, a new album as well with the band. Yeah, we're, as I explained earlier, we, we're jamming. Um, we're, we're back in the studio. I'll, I'll, I'll be, we'll be getting together in, well, in less than an hour uh, from now to jam hey. some more. We do a little bit each day, and it's all recorded. And bit by bit, we're we're hoping to to grab a few gems. Yeah, I think we had a couple of semi-precious stones yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> still looking for the diamonds. Got to dust off the dirt and find the shiny bit underneath. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Panning for gold. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I hope you find it. We look forward to enjoying it. Thank you. Excellent, Steve. Thanks for chatting to us. Good yeah, luck with the tour. Enjoyed that, man. Enjoy, I hope to come and see you. Uh, I thought you were at Cliffs Pavilion, so uh, I'll try and get along to that. Yeah, dude. Come along. I'll buy you a beer. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. <laughs> Look forward to it, mate. Look forward to it. Thanks for chatting to us. Good luck with the, uh, with the rehearsals today. Thank you. Thanks for your time. <laughs> Anytime. Toodaloo. Bye. Bye.
So that was Marillion. So cool. Talking to Steve Hogarth earlier on. So I'll put all the details on the Phoenix FM website. You'll be able to listen back to the interview if you've just missed it. Uh, but we're talking to Steve Hogarth. Lovely guy. Great front man. And uh, also available for weddings, apparently. <laughs> As you just heard from the man himself, you can see Marillion performing live on tour with friends from the orchestra this November. Uh, all the dates are on their website. If you go to marillion.com uh, slash tour. And uh, they'll be all over the UK, including, but not limited to, the South End Cliffs Pavilion on the 15th of November. Uh, Steve's going to buy me a beer. You heard it here first. <laughs> and of course, you can see them uh, at the Royal Abbott Hall on 18th and 19th of November. Tickets are on sale now. 98 FM.